This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show, is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter. Jake can be found at jmendel94. Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show. Last week has seemed like an eternity, but it's time to turn the page. Welcome to Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh show. Josh, it's been cold. It's been miserable, but I know you that has not impacted your mood as much as the Miami Dolphins do. So I have to ask you, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jake, except for the fact I went to the grocery store when I was coming out. Someone definitely started heckling me. Looked like Rickety Crickety was yelling at me. Oh, lifelong Dolphins fan. Huh? He was just giving me crap because they've been bad. So uh, I've seen better days. How have you been? <laughs> I haven't been wearing my Dolphin stuff. I've been going to football games. Here I am wearing my uh, NFL Tecmo Bowl-esque Miami Dolphins sweatshirt. Beautiful. Uh, but it, it's, it's been too cold. I don't have a big, poofy Dolphins jacket. I don't look like Don Shula in the sidelines in the 80s. As much as I'd like to, I, I just don't have the, the cool starter jacket that will uh, make me worthy of wearing that Dolphin stuff, especially when they're, you know, sitting at one and two. Josh, before we get into our Colts and Dolphins preview, we're going to give you guys all of our, you know, little stats that we like to throw in. And additionally, you know, we have our fantasy player of the week. We have our projections. So stay tuned for that. But Josh, every single week, the same thing is being talked about. And we're going to, we're going to run right through this. We're the Kool-Aid man. This is the wall. Uh, Jay Glazer. I retweeted it. You retweeted it. In case you missed it on Sunday, I shared that the Texan stance on training to Sean Watson has softened where they weren't 
even returning calls from teams in camp. That has changed. As for teams, to me, Miami makes the most sense. Glazer shared this on Sunday, Josh, and while I retweeted it, because I think Glazer added underneath this two days ago, keep an eye on this today or something like that. Uh, I trust Glazer. I, I think he's one of those guys who isn't going to mess around or, or go for the clicks like, like some other people might. Uh, but Josh, none of this really seems like news, especially with the fact that we all kind of knew that the Texans were willing to trade Watson for their price. And we knew that they weren't at the same stance they were in training camp. So it's like, Jay Glazer just kind of spark note, spark noted the last, uh, you know, three months and it made everyone kind of throw a fit again because they thought a deal was imminent. Yeah. And that's just the thing. I mean, every day it's just the endless teeter totter. I mean, like you said, we don't want to talk about it too much, but um, the biggest thing I guess was yesterday when Glazer made a joke that he ran into two fans at the airport, let them down or I guess cheered them up by telling them that they were no longer interested in Deshaun Watson. So it sounds like now it might just be the Dolphins. I mean, I kind of think we thought that if they truly were interested, they're almost bidding against themselves. But then he was asked, you know, um, is this something that we could see happen over the next week or before the trade deadline? And he basically said it's up to Houston. So, you know, a lot of people took that as there's a deal on the table. Let's see what Nick Cesario and the the Houston Texans ultimately decide. But um, again, Jake, it's just doesn't seem like there's a lot of news out there, but it would be um, it wouldn't be right, though, if we came onto the podcast, a Miami Dolphins podcast, and then at least shed some light on, you know, some of the big news and rumblings, even if it isn't what some of us want to hear. Josh, you're 100 percent right. And to kind of, you know, if we're insinuating that a deal is on the table, which I think we kind of can agree that there is a deal on the table and it's by Glazer saying it's up to the Texans doesn't really mean anything's imminent because the Dolphins could have a, a deal on the table. Again, I know nothing, but the Dolphins could have a deal on the table for one first round pick. And it's up to the Texans to be like, I don't think I'm going to take this deal. So, so there's so much context missing in, in what's happening here where there's not really a lot of room to speculate or, or really get a nice pulse of what's going on. So my crystal ball says, we'll be talking about this again on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So stay tuned, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify. That's it, Josh. We gave it like a minute and a half. Let, let me let me throw one more thing out there. The biggest thing is, you know, deal being on the table. I think the whole compensation that they're really trying to agree on is, you know, how do they protect some of those draft picks if, mm-hmm. you know, these allegations go through. So we ran through that. No more uh, Deshaun Watson talk. But, you know, then you have to wonder what happens with Tua Tonvaloa. You know, there's some rumors out there that maybe the Washington football team would have interest. Obviously, some other teams might have interest. I mean, he's a young Drew Brees, right? That's what we all thought. Why wouldn't Sean Payton take a stab at him and, and try to build that thing the right way? So um, enough with that. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins matchup this weekend against the Indianapolis Colts, Jake. And I don't know if you saw this, but I think it was right after we recorded the last podcast on Wednesday. Um, someone leaked a photo of the, the field for the Hurricanes game, and they had those throwback Miami logo. We know they're honoring Don Shula this weekend. So um, nothing official yet, but it sounds like we're going to get the throwbacks. And in this game where, you know, we're going to continue to call it the back game where the Dolphins have to go out there and just lay a beating down on the Indianapolis Colts. What better way than to do it, Jake, in those throwback unis? Yeah, Josh, I'm a little caught off guard by this because correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem like I feel like every year the dates have been set. I thought that was something that came in like the uh, preseason media guide or something. So so there yeah. actually hasn't been any confirmation this year about this going on in this specific week. Nope, there has not. And I know That's Kyle Krabs cool. is. Yeah, this he's is all... a bad game. Oh, my God. Yeah. The Dolphins, the, this Colts team <laughs> is stumbling it. and fumbling. We're just going to bat right over the head. Thanks for yeah. coming to Miami. Yeah, and I, I mean, like you said, they normally announce it. It's one of the things that fans get all excited about. But I, I know Kyle Krabs jokes and tweets at Wingfield all the time. And you always see the replies under those Dolphin posts. Announce the uniforms, you cowards. They haven't. So I guess, <laughs> guess all we can do is sit here and assume that, you know, when you're honoring the greatest coach of all time, why not look, you know, the sleekest of them all?
there aren't a lot of bad games in my memories featuring those uniforms. I just wish they weren't uh, the retro unis at the time. But Josh, moving forward, let, let's before we talk about the game, we need to talk about the broadcasters. Uh, I've been complaining about them a little bit. I think that has to do with my team losing. But I mean, can you really blame me? This week we got Spiro Ditas and Jay Feely. Ditas is fine. I mean, I remember him. He's just so used to calling those bottom of the bucket AFC East games where the Dolphins would lose to the Jets or the Bills. So I'm I'm sick of hearing. He's someone I yell. Or uh, we were talking about Zay Jones. He's someone I hear yelling Zay Jones all alone. You know, something like that. Uh, but Jay Feely, Josh, this is where I'm going to start to pull my hair out uh, because. Not only does Jay Feely sound ridiculous half the time, but he also his voice sounds like it's a combination of Bert and Ernie. And I just I just can't stand it. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Jake. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe I'll not have to worry about this because I always have two kids screaming in the background. and I'm just sitting there, you know, with whatever shows on TV, whatever Disney's princess you can think of is on the big TV, you know, audio's blast. And I'm just sitting there with my phone in front of, in front of the TV recording clips. So I don't have to really worry about this broadcast team, but um, I know you have some strong opinions on them. And I, I look forward to every week you sitting here and telling us how you really feel about these guys, Bert and Ernie. I mean, I'm gonna have to turn up the volume just to hear that. Uh, dude, you're never going to actually, I don't know if you want to, because I'm going to just jinx everyone here where that is all they see. Josh, the injury report, we're using Thursdays. Uh, we're recording this at 3:45 on Friday. Uh, sorry. It's a little bit later than usual, but uh, again, life kind of gets in the way. So Josh, let's go through this injury report because uh, you know, week one, week two, week three, you're starting to figure yourself out, but while you're starting to develop trends, you're, you're hoping your team stays healthy where you can figure out those trends. So first, I think we should start with the Dolphins and specifically Michael Dieter. So, Josh, tell me about that. Yeah, Jake. And actually, uh, Travis Wingfield of MiamiDolphins.com, he actually released um, just a few minutes ago the Dolphins full injury report. And Michael Dieter did not participate. We'll talk about him more. Um, obviously, he's head to injured reserve, what that means for Greg Manch. But uh, everyone else seems fully go. You know, Jerome Baker, Will Fuller, Xavier Howard, Brandon Jones, Devontae Parker. Sounds like the only person that the Dolphins aren't expected to have is Michael Dieter. But when you turn it over, man, and you look at what the Indianapolis Colts are going through, you know, it goes back to the back game. I mean, Quentin Nelson out, Quiddy Pay out, Brandon Smith out, Rocky Sin out. Carson Wentz, questionable. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, questionable. You can sit here and name off, you know. And a lot of these guys are those prolific players. You know, we've heard of um, Quiddy Pay. We've heard of Quentin Nelson, one of the best guards in football. I mean, it's crazy, Jake. Yeah, Josh, it is really that opportunity that the Dolphins need, that get-right game. That's another way you can really say the, the bat game. So, Josh, you mentioned Michael Dieter. Uh, Greg Mance will get the start, and he's had an interesting career. So he started with the Texans. He played 16 games with them in 2016 as the center, but then switched to the right tackle when Deshaun Watson was drafted in 2017. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. See, Josh, adding to this rundown, I mean, those are the little little things that I look forward to. Uh, C.K. Parrott, three yards per carry. He added that don't be surprised that there's not a huge drop-off. We know Dieter was looking very good, and it was Miami's highest-graded offensive line, according to PFF. But, Josh, I mean, at the same time, well, uh, you know, Dieter could have – might have been Miami's best offensive uh, lineman. That doesn't necessarily mean that things are all doom and gloom. Maybe the communication is a little better. I mean, Michael Dieter was kind of thrown into the starting role. He didn't really have any you know, safety net really, Josh, this year. We didn't really expect him to come in and instantly win that starting job. So, you know, maybe this could help some of those other guys click on the offensive line and understand they're doing just because things might be presented in a little bit of a different way with a veteran like this uh, in the middle of that offense. 
Yeah, Jake, and I, I mean, I don't want to say because it it's kind of rude and I, I can never be an offensive line, but he, he was kind of the shiniest turd of the bunch, right? I mean, just because Michael Dieter's your highest graded offensive lineman, you know, is not allowing as many pressures as the rest of those guys. Uh, you're right. It doesn't really mean that he's a superstar player, but we liked what we saw. Greg Manch, the Dolphins traded for him. They received a 2022 seventh round draft pick in exchange for a 2022 sixth round pick. We know he played a little bit there with Baltimore, but this just seemed like a guy that, you know, had previous starting experience and was that veteran presence, you know, that the Dolphins obviously tried to bring in when they got DJ Fluker and some of those other guys that can play right tackle, can play center, can play all throughout the offensive line. So I guess I'm a little excited to see what he can do. I know CK went uh, elaborate a little bit more and say, you know, he's good at pass protection, still working on some things in the run game. And I think, you know, that's the biggest thing. This Dolphins team in general, they're working on that run game. Actually, they brought in another center on Friday. Can you believe that? I can, Jake, and I, I don't know if you wanted me to, to say it, but Mike Pouncey is again at Dolphins practice, and he told Omar Kelly that he's there to help out at the request of Brian Flores. So when your offensive line's struggling, why not bring in you know, one of the better offensive interior offensive linemen that the Dolphins have had in years to hopefully write that thing? But I, I don't know if you saw the picture of him, Jake, but my God, he's looking skinnier than you and me. Looks like he could jump on a skateboard any moment. Yeah, and it's, it's so interesting to see that post-football career, especially nowadays – with social media, how old do I sound? Uh, but Joe Thomas is that perfect example of how these guys just, I don't want to say shrink because they're still these massive, uh, extremely athletic human beings, but you see that the football weight, those that lineman weight is absolutely uh, just a different beast, Josh. And also, you know, I don't think Mike Pouncey's really coming in to be a guy to teach technique. I, I'm sure he can, but I wonder if this is something where, again, Miami's biggest issue has been the communication. Can Mike Pouncey, someone who's been in that those trenches in Miami for eight years, kind of explain or relay things a little better than the coaching staff has done so uh, so far? So maybe everything, Josh, will work out, and the Dolphins have just been speaking different languages so far. This is my way of talking into, uh, again, this being the game the Dolphins turn it around. Yeah, and I mean, I guess credit to the Dolphins, because when you're sitting here, you know, week three, we're trying to figure out who the Dolphins could bring in here as far as a veteran free agent to help help out the offensive line. I don't know who they can go after, you know, so they went out there and they brought in a coach with experience. So um, I guess this probably isn't a glowing endorsement for Lemuel Jean-Pierre, the Miami Dolphins uh, current offensive lineman that they had to bring in Mike Pouncey, a veteran like that to do, um, I guess, his job in a sense for him. But that I guess as long as there's not too many cooks in the kitchen, like we've seen with the offensive coordinators, I see no issue with this, especially with how um, young this offensive line is and, and how, much more growth they have to do before this offense can truly operate the way the Miami Dolphins had hoped. Yeah, Josh. And one of the things that stood out to me in Brian Flores' press conference after the Raiders loss, it might've actually been after the Bills loss. Um, he was talking about how the team is still working through things and they're still young. And that kind of seemed like a, the, he didn't, I don't, I feel like he didn't even say that stuff a year ago. I might be a hundred percent wrong with that. Um, but I think that's where we should begin this conversation because while the you know Raiders beat the Dolphins and that Buffalo game looked absolutely ugly, they might have still lost that Buffalo game. But I think we can agree things should have looked a little different. Uh, you know the penalties. I, I think Brandon Jones got in over his head a little bit. He got a little flustered with Josh Allen. And then the same thing happened against the Ve against Vegas. Uh, Brandon Jones had another 15-yard penalty. The Dolphins right now are 24th in the league, averaging 7.3 penalties per game. And Josh. Did you happen to see this story that uh, Barry Jackson wrote about Brandon Jones? I didn't, Jake, but I, I'd love for you to tell me all about it. Yeah, I'm surprised because I'm. this was, you know, every week reporters are going to do features, and I was pretty excited to see something like Brandon Jones. It's not, you know, the Will Fuller, the basically the beaten path we've all heard. Uh, it, it's a new, fresh player that, hey, has actually been, 
you know, playing pretty well. And Josh, I think the one thing we haven't talked enough about, and I think we do talk about it a lot as it is, is that this Dolphins team through three games hasn't really lived up to the identity, right? I think Barry Jackson had a story about how the defense is playing worse than it was last year. Uh, granted, it's three games. Uh, and this is something that I'm about to explain where I think this is a sign that the Dolphins are going to start to kind of twist things around. Uh, Barry goes into how Brandon Jones has been great as that blitzer, as a tackler. Uh, I think he had two sacks last week. He got to Derek Carr twice. Uh, but something that he's always done, and this was true when he was in college, and the Dolphins know this, he struggled in college. And this year he's allowing five passes against him to be caught for 76 yards. You might read that and think that might be the issue that the Dolphins have here. You know, why is Brandon Jones in coverage? I think the Dolphins have schemed in that, hey, Brandon Jones is going to get beat a couple times, but those successful plays, the sacks are more important to us. But the issue is when we think about those 15-yard penalties, you are not scheming those in. Josh, the the Dolphins are allowing or uh, being called, I guess is the way to put it, uh, for three more penalties a game than uh, just a season ago. I mean, that is a big hurdle that your team has to get over because not only are you thinking that's, uh, you know, an extra 30 yards, say three 10-yard penalties, but that kills a drive. That kills momentum. That allows a team to uh, sustain a drive and keep going. I think there was one, uh, Josh, last week that Vegas, it was a third or fourth down where they got a new fresh set of downs off a, a knucklehead play the Dolphins had. So, Josh, how have you kind of felt, you know, watching all this film where the technique and everything might be there, but these few hiccups, these few mental mistakes are really the biggest issue that the Dolphins have uh, battled with so far. Maybe they're inner demons, I guess. Yeah, we kind of joked that maybe the TNT wall is not doing its job, Jake. But what you said about uh, Brandon Jones, I mean, he has been a playmaker, at least coming in on the blitz. But you definitely want to see more of him there in coverage. The Dolphins almost sometimes utilize him as, you know, an extra linebacker in the box. He can do some yep. of those different things. And I just love that one play where um, Jalen Phillips just drove Leatherwood back and, and you just see Brandon Jones come in for that huge sack. And it's funny, Jake, because I looked it up and Brandon Jones is the Dolphins leading sack leader with two and um i hate to bring this up but charles harris also has two sacks for the detroit lions this year so um oh if if uh, charles harris was still in the dolphins he'd be tied for with brandon jones for the league <laughs> uh the team leading sacks but I, a lot of it goes back to jake to one of the points and i guess we may as well bring it up but the dolphins just are not getting off the field on third down um mm -hmm. again maybe i didn't read the barry jackson article but i saw the nugget from someone and it said he's allowing the dolphins are allowing 59 percent of third downs to be converted this is the worst in the nfl and for comparison's sake they were best in the league a season ago with 31.2% being converted. And that came courtesy of our good pal, Barry Jackson. So um, it's just, again, what the Dolphins have done so well over the first two years, they're almost like regressing a little bit. And I guess that's why a lot of fans are, are doubting these early games. But um, I love that this is that game where they can just bounce back. And uh, I don't want to say have everything go right, but I mean, this is that this is setting up for the Dolphins to, to regain some of that confidence that seems like they lost. Yeah, Josh, and one thing we spoke about is – you know, most expansive football knowledge in the world tells you you got to run the football. At the end of the day, you listen to the guy at the end of the bar who's, you know, three and a half beers deep saying, you know, they got to run the football. Build the and trenches and run the football, <laughs> right? And that's what the Dolphins yes. don't do either. They don't do either of them. You're 100% right. And not only does running the football make, you know, throwing the ball easier, but it helps give your offensive line confidence. They're allowed to be a little more aggressive and push guys downfield. So, Josh, the Dolphins really started to establish their identity against Las Vegas last week. Uh, late in the third quarter, maybe going into the fourth quarter, uh, what was different, would you say, in those last, you know, 12, let's say even 18 minutes of the game uh, compared to the, um, I don't know, dumpster fire we saw before that? 
Yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't all, it wasn't a complete dumpster fire, right? I mean, again, I think the Dolphins ran the ball pretty well. We even saw Malcolm right, yeah. Brown making some moves, but you just wonder why they went away from that. So uh, I guess, Jake, you know, the run game, I would like to see revert back to that first quarter and some of those early things that we saw. But as far as that passing game, I mean, you got to open it up. You got to stop playing scared. And I know that the Dolphins are limited in how long the quarterback can stand back there because, again, the offensive line is dreadful. But you got Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he's proven that he can extend plays and, and shake some of those, you know, hits and, I think that's why Brian Flores and his staff has a little bit of confidence in him, but I just want to see him go out there and take some of those deep shots and not be scared to take chances because I think, you know, whether it was Tua, whether it was Brissett at times, I think that was their biggest thing. You know, they were probably coached, you know, so hard, do not turn the football over, do not lose this game for us, that when they see, you know, Jalen Waddle in one-on-one coverage with two steps on a defender, they might be a little gun-shy to, to take the chance. So uh, I want to see Jacoby Brissett let loose, take some chances downfield to Will Fuller, find ways to get Jalen Waddle the football in, in other ways than that two-yard box. And um, I think from there, Jake, you know, good things should come. Josh, I got to ask you, have you felt like uh, maybe the Dolphins, uh, it's, it's true that play calling plays a huge role in this, but do you feel like, Miami's running backs, you know, you, you look at Miles Gaskin, 5.1 yards per carry, but do you see that maybe this running back group hasn't lived up to the expectations that, you know, you kind of need for the offense the Dolphins are trying to run? I mean, yes, we can look at Gaskin averaging, like I said, the five yards per carry, but then that long of 18, I mean, we need someone who can kind of break out plays a little bit more. And again, I know the offensive line isn't great, uh, but when we're thinking about playmakers, you kind of wonder if um, maybe running back would have been a better move for the Dolphins just to kind of help mix things up a little bit, especially when you, you mentioned Malcolm Brown, and yes, he did have, you know, one strong run but outside of that he was six for seven I mean I didn't see Salvan Ahmed do too too much and we're three games in this can all change but I feel like they're really lacking that uh combo breaker whatever you want to call it in that backfield to kind of take some pressure off the quarterback today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over two million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you your budget your life your style and if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, and you know when, like to your point, when a, a Miles Gaskin breaks off a big run or you know shows starts to show rhythm and consistency, then they're yanking him for the next guy. I had some people ask, you know, should the Dolphins have interest in Marlon Mack? You mentioned Salvin Ahmed, Jake. He's basically been a ghost lately, you know. So yep. you bring in Marlon Mack and what he's Williams like last year that you traded for, and he just kind of sits around and, and takes a snap every now and then, or, or Breida even. I mean, they couldn't really find a role yep. there. So I mean, Salvin Ahmed is a perfect example. I know that him and Miles Gaskin have similar skill sets, but get him more involved, you know, and, and continue to feed Miles Gaskin because I know Malcolm Brown showed some good things. They, uh, he, I forget who it was. One of the coordinators came out and said, you know, we saw some good things throughout the week. We thought he earned more reps. Jake, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I saw anything from Malcolm Brown that, you know, <laughs> sh should have warranted some extra touches over Miles Gaskin. And Jake, I want to throw this out there because it's uh, coming from Troy King uh, at T King mode fantasy. Great fantasy guy he said some surprising names in the top 10 and running back target share. And lo and behold, Miles Gaskin is there with a 13.8 percent eighth in the NFL. So get Miles Gaskin to football, continue to get him more involved. I think he's at what, 51 percent snaps. I mean, this guy deserves more touches. Josh, I got to ask you, though, because I don't necessarily know if it's as simple as giving the ball more. If you were a defensive coordinator, 
Would you prefer to give up five yards to Miles Gaskin and force the Dolphins to get five yards every single play? Uh, or would you, you know, prefer Tua or Jacoby Brissett to be contacting with Jalen Waddle, Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, these guys who can be explosive. If you were a defensive coordinator, which way would you try to funnel Miami's offense? Because I think that might be part of the thing we might be uh, underestimating a little bit is that the Dolphins, you know, they're playing into the defense's hands, it seems like, at times by running the football just for the sake of, hey, they're averaging five yards per carry. But when Miles Gaskin only has 140 yards uh, through three games, I mean, it, it the number looks nice, but but the results just aren't there from this group, I guess. Oh, well, well said. I mean, I think we're putting way too much stock into that five yards per carry. And, you know, how much of that came after the Dolphins were down? You know, the defense is expecting pass at that point. But right. um, I think, again, Jake, it goes back to taking those risks early on. If you're showing exactly. that you're going to take the deep shot to Will Fuller, you're, the, the defense is going to start respecting that. And then you can, you know, get those yards. So I, I good point, Jake. I just want to see this offense do more because, um, again, the defense hasn't lived up to its expectations, but I do have to put some of that on the offense right. for not sustaining drives, not letting them out there on the field. Josh, you mentioned attacking downfield, and I'm just going to add a little clarification to that. By attacking downfield, I do not want to see another uh, Jacoby Brissett snaps the ball, Devontae Parker is running a fade, and he holds the ball for two-tenths of a second and throws it, and the deep ball is 15 yards downfield and is just kind of a, a more of a fade than anything else. Uh, and a good way to kind of let those five- and seven-step drops develop is running the football. So here we go. The 0-3 Baltimore Colts. Oh my God. I'm not that old. I'm, yeah. I'm keeping Whoa. that. Yeah, I'm keeping yeah. that. I don't know where that came from. Wow. Josh, in order to make those uh, seven step <laughs> drops possible, you need to be able to run the football. And these numbers against the Colts are pretty promising. And this is why, you know, Gaskin could be that DFS guy or even Ahmed where he's possibly could break that 60 yard touchdown. And maybe Gaskin would have got tackled after 25 yards. I know there's still both good gains, uh, but six points is, worth more than zero breaking news uh so josh teams are averaging 31 rushing attempts per game against the colts and the colts are also allowing 140 rushing yards per game that's 29th in the league so josh if you're the dolphins do you come out and attack this early or do you kind of try to ease into that rushing attack like we saw last week where the defense is starting to uh maybe sit on the receivers a little bit that's a great question jake i mean i think that we kind of see the weakness in in that indianapolis colts defense as far as being able to run the football. I think you come right out and you try to establish a run. Do like you did last week. I mean, I just continue to see Austin Jackson pancaking that guy. And I think it was what the first, second drive. I mean, mm -hmm. where the hell was that? So I don't know what they did schematically. I don't know if a lot of that was just, you know, a game plan throughout the week. And those were those scripted plays. And that's why they executed them so well. But whatever it is, I think, uh, yeah, I think you got to come out and establish a run. Absolutely. We, we, we've been harsh on Austin Jackson. And I, I kind of want to put my hand up, apologize a little bit. I completely forgot that he was on the COVID-19 list and that had, an impact on his body wow. uh i'm not necessarily saying like he's going to come back and be an elite left tackle but i think you know uh kicking him to the curb uh, i know i did it for sure uh that's what the football season's all about we make these uh dramatic overreactions and then we kind of step back and be like oh you know things make a little more sense than we thought so and i just kind of wanted to throw that out there yeah bravo and let's not forget you know everything that he did for his sister i think you know there were a time when they didn't even think he was going to ever play football again so yeah yeah jake maybe we shouldn't be so harsh on these 21 year olds i mean like noe benogany and austin jackson i mean the dolphins they, they they knew these players were young so yeah we'll, we'll jump up we'll take a step back there jake a little bit to take a step forward and get this first down josh i think the biggest key for the dolphins is going to be stopping jonathan Taylor. So when you look at this Colts offense, you have Carson Wentz and due to his injuries, his legs are looking a little bit like Tommy Pickles having two sprained ankles. And he's really not, isn't what fears me about this offense whatsoever. I mean, 
Guys like Brandon Jones are going to be out there. Guys like Brandon Jones are going to get picked on. Carson Wentz might complete some over the middle on him. But stopping Jonathan Taylor is a different story because, I mean, this is, this is a, a you know, I talked about Josh Jacobs last week. This is a player who's better than Peyton Barber, and Peyton Barber went off in that second half against the Dolphins. So I think this is where that uh, attention really needs to start, and you make Carson Wentz make those plays and hopefully force some. Yeah, I don't want to say it's a good thing that Quentin Nelson's out, but I mean, that definitely helps the Dolphins odds there with, again, one of the best guards in football not being there. Jake, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, that's what I call him. I don't know if you ever saw home improvement, but um, yes, I guess that was a stupid question. Uh, he's averaging 6.4 yards per carry this year. He has 42 carries and only 171 yards, no touchdowns. So you mentioned what Peyton Barber did. I do have Jonathan Taylor on a few of my fantasy football teams. So I guess I won't be heartbroken if he had that big game that, you know, a lot of people expected. But, um, you know, when you look at his 10 carries for 64 yards, 15 carries for 51, I mean, he's been limping along behind an offensive line who, again, is is a little bit banged up. So I think this is, again, a, a way for the Dolphins to bounce back. Um, I think their defensive line has definitely played better. And I, I want to throw this out there. Um, PFF said most defensive stops among all interior defensive linemen this season, Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins are tied for second with 10 total. So um, tip your hat to them. And again, they need to step up big this weekend because Jonathan Taylor is one of the best young backs in football. And I don't know about you, but every time I see JK Dobbins, obviously not with the injury, but you know, Najee and, and Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift, I just can't help but think about, you know, some of those misses the Dolphins had that, you know, just five minutes ago, I said we wouldn't uh, bash them too much. So I, I, don't, I don't know why I did that. Josh, one perspective we haven't talked about with this Colts running game whatsoever is the fact that they're going to need a lean on it quite a bit. You think about guys, Michael Pittman, Zach Pascal, these guys have had games, but they're not these big names that we're used to hearing, right? So this offense is really going to be focused on Jonathan Taylor and in Miami what's the biggest home field advantage that thing that hangs on both of the sidelines the thermometer right so it's going to be kind of interesting to see how this game starts out early are the Colts going to try to play not to lose especially being 0-3 or do they come out and give it their all and risk that maybe exhaustion later down the road yeah, man. And that's a good point because I do kind of see this as a game where, yes, they have a Jonathan Taylor. Yes, he's that, you know, prolific running back. But who's to say they're not going to come out here and let Carson Wentz, you know, try to throw the football down the field and try to spread out that Dolphins defense and have him respect the run game. We didn't even mention Naheem Hines. He, he's he been one of those players that can make a little bit of an impact in the passing game. We'll see if Marlon Mack plays. But, uh, Jake, I, I do think that this, again, you can talk about it offensively. The, the matchup versus the Colts defense or now the Dolphins defense versus the Colts offense. But, you know, on paper, um, I think the Dolphins, again, this should be that back game. This should be that game that helps this team turn around. And you mentioned the thermometer. Dolphins should be wearing those white throwbacks. At least that's what yep. I'm going to predict. And then we throw the Colts in those blue and just have the sun beating down on them. And um, I guess I guess that's the way that the Dolphins utilize that home field advantage. Jake, I did have it written down. The weather is 85 and partly cloudy. I mentioned that I think the Dolphins should wear those white on white throwbacks. And the Dolphins lead the all-time series between these two. 48 to 27. Uh, the Dolphins are four and six over their last 10 meetings with their last victory being in 2019 when the Dolphins won 16 to 12. I don't know if you remember that game, Jake, but I remember at one point Ryan Fitzpatrick went to the blue tent. Josh Rosen came into the game and they did not really? let him do anything. I think at that point we realized, you know, uh, Josh Rosen probably wasn't going to be the guy here, but I don't know if you're old enough to remember, Jake, but these guys were AFC East division rivals. So um, lots of history here. And again, perfect game for the Dolphins to bounce back. Yeah, Josh. So let's get into it. Let's get into our fantasy player first. And I'm going to go with someone that kind of broke out last year, last week. They reminded us that they have arrived to the NFL and they're looking to get paid. And that's Mike Kosicki. Uh, 
when teams get into issues, they try to they they start with what they know best. Uh, what we saw last week is that when Mike Gesicki is a focal point of this offense with his 12 targets, that offense can move the ball, specifically when it's in his hands. So I think he's primed for another per- strong performance. Everyone is questioning these offensive coordinators. And George Godsey, being a former tight ends coach, I think he's going to lean on those guys to really help the Dolphins move the sticks, get some easy first downs, get into the red zone. And, hey, Armando Salguero used to always say it. It's the tight end who's always wide open all alone in the end zone. And they got to find that. And I, I love that. I think Jacoby Brissett really lied on Gasicki last week. I think he relied on Jalen Watt a little bit too. So I think those two guys should have big games. But Jake, I'm going to take the cop out here. and I'm going to go with uh, the Miami Dolphins defense. Again, we're talking about how banged up the Indianapolis Colts are. Yes, I hope Jonathan Taylor has a pretty solid game because again, he's on my fantasy team. But this is that week where this defense can show, you know, how awesome they are. are I think what, 26 consecutive games with a ter- takeaway? I mean, yep. this would be 27. We, uh, yeah, yay for that. But I mean, we just want to see him go out there and be that dominant defense. You know, uh, the reason why a lot of teams or a lot of fantasy owners drafted the Dolphins, I'm sure, because they were stoked for how that defense has been, kind of let them down early on this season. I think this is that get right game. Let's have Jalen Phillips get a sack. Let's see Emmanuel Agba make make some plays. There's got to be a turnover for a touchdown. So that's going to be my pick. But again, I do agree. I do think it's a little bit of a cop out because uh, this is a damn good matchup for that Dolphins defense. I don't really think it's a cop out. I mean, I, when you said it, I was, it made the light bulb go off in my head. I, I nice. didn't even think of the, off, or the defense. I actually had that someone, might be what's- <laughs> yeah, I actually had someone snipe them off waivers and I'm like, how the hell did you miss that? Like, how did you not realize that, the, you know, I think Carson Wentz was questionable at the time. I was like, dude, you definitely dropped the ball there. The mobility issues combined with the fact that the Dolphins are one of the best teams at pressuring the quarterback, despite the sack numbers haven't been there. You referenced Brandon Jones with the two. I mean, that that's a match made in heaven. He's not going to be you know, able to escape the pocket well enough, I don't think, to really get away from those Dolphin uh, rushers. So I completely agree with you, Josh. I think the defense is a good pick. Uh, let's start with the Vegas uh, odds here and how they're thinking this game's going to turn out. And it's looking like they're saying that the Dolphins probably going to win somewhere around, uh, you know, 24 to 20, uh, somewhere in that area. So, Josh, how does that game develop where the Colts are able to score 20 points? The Dolphins pull it out, having, you know, that extra field goal where the Dolphin defense holds the Colts to two field goals if that score is correct or they block an extra point, however you want to go about it. Uh To me, it seems like for the Colts to get on the board, it goes back to the penalties. I just have such a hard time seeing the Dolphins make these silly penalties another week in the row. And I got to say, if it's Malcolm Brown who does it again and he stays on the field, I'm going to be a little disappointed. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's another reason why I think this is that backing that you keep saying, because this is Brian Flores, you know, coach team. And, you know, we've been pretty stoked about that. You know, we're a little down right now, but that meant something, you know, heading into this year. So I want to see those guys go out there and, and lay a legit beating. I have Jake for the prediction. I have 31, 14. I don't know if we were going to throw those out there, but I think, you know, when you talked about the early one with what, 24, 20, somewhere around there, you saw the Colts yep. get 20 points. I think it's kind of like what we've seen from the dolphins. Maybe the, the dolphins jump out to a pretty early lead. The Colts have their back against the wall and then they go out there and they, they throw the ball a bit more, but at the same time, yeah. Jonathan Taylor breaking off a big run early. I mean, we've seen it week after week. It just seems like, there's always that big run early. The Dolphins kind of buckle down and then they let, get a little bit more leaky as the game progresses. So my prediction is 31-17 Dolphins. <laughs> We're never going to pick against them. And I, I truly do love that you said back game, what, two, three days ago, because get out that Louisville slugger, big hurt, Ken Griffey Jr. style, and let's do something. Yeah, Josh, and for such a week, we've been negative. I think this is going to be my final uh, plea to the jury, if you will, about why I think this Dolphins team is going to rebound this week. And it starts with the fact that the Colts are a team that the Dolphins do not play often. 
You think about the first three games of the season. We kind of expect the Dolphins to play scared against the Patriots. Against the Bills, they were flat out outmatched and they were punked. Vegas is, a, again, another team they know pretty well. I think they've played each other, what, two of the last, probably three of the last four years, somewhere around there, maybe three of the last five, uh, going back to the high five game. Uh, but Brian Flores has heard all this stuff. I mean, the offensive coordinators have heard all this stuff about, you know, where this team is and where they should be, the, you know, the penalties they stick out, uh, the just the silly errors that allow those 30-yard gashes to be made. When you're facing a team you don't really know, you throw everything at the wall and Carson Wentz being a little injured, that offensive line being banged up. I mean, this is the one of those performances that when players are looking to get paid, this is this is possibly one of those games that, you know, you look forward to just because the matchup looks so juicy for you. You know, you could see Emmanuel Ogba having that, you know, five sack game and it skews his, his numbers for the rest of the year. Uh, but I just think that's the type of opportunity the Dolphins have. They lost week one at or their home opener, excuse me, I should say. They're a team known for being incredibly strong at home. So I think that's going to return under Brian Flores. Being in his third year, I think we can kind of expect these trends to develop as we've seen them. And that's why, I mean, I think they're just going to have that bat ready, whether it's, you know, the you know blocked punts, whether it's the fake field goals. And I just kind of look at it like that Adam Gase game against Denver, right? That's kind of what I see happening here. Just a, a game where the Dolphins can kind of be liberated a little bit. Yeah, Jake, and it goes back, you know, uh, I mean, you did say they had success at home, but I, they did take that 35 lashing, right? That, no, that one was, a, <laughs> we, we forget that one, but I, I think it just seems like, you know, when they're honoring Don Shola, when we're hoping they're wearing their throwbacks with their back against the wall, against an indie team who, again, is banged up. This truly feels like the the moment that the Dolphins can write this thing. But Jake, if they don't, I mean, I know you said this was going to be your last uh, optimistic take or whatever if they don't i mean can we admit that this is doom and gloom and we're going to come on here next week monday and we're going to be um the saddest the saddest arrested saps. development we're you know, arrested development. we're going to be the saddest saps because at that point i mean the dolphins will be one and three and this and colts bucks. game is very win and the bucks yep this game's very winnable <laughs> so let's get that back game go out there and and make set an example and set that tone early and let's see a brian flores led dolphins team do brian flores things Josh, that's perfectly said. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm sorry it's a little later than usual. Thank you for sticking up with us. If you haven't subscribed, be sure you do in case there are these little inconsistencies. But either way, we're going to try to have shows out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If there's any sort of breaking news, we try to jump on that too. For Finsider Radio, I'm Jake Mendel. Josh, things are going to change this week. I promise. I promise. And I guess promises get broken sometimes, so I'm sorry. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Cause we're the Miami Dolphins
Yes, we're the Miami.